I always knew I should follow my passion, but I didn't know that I should follow good people. And just like when I chose Google marketing instead of this media reporting job that I thought was my dream, something told me that, you know, hey, just follow the people that I like and I get to see those people every day in the office. I wouldn't learn anything from other people if I don't like them. And I still go by that rule, to be honest. If I like what I do, that's great. And that's given everybody thinks about that and focuses on that. But I think following good people is so important. This is the CMO and Joe podcast. We interview today's most inspiring chief marketing officers and savvy marketers of lucrative direct-to-consumer e-commerce companies, bringing you insightful stories and tips on marketing, sales, branding, and much more. We bring you the best lessons from the best. Let's get started with your host, Joe Momo. And we are live. Welcome to the podcast, she Thanks, Joe. I'm super excited to have you on the podcast. You're a global VP of marketing. Uh, you actually worked at Google as well. I think your story is fascinating. I think the listeners would really love um, your insights and um, your, your career journey. I think it's uh, some awesome stuff. Before I jump into all of that, perhaps give us a little backstory on who you are and uh, what you're currently up to. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm Shiho Watabe. I'm super excited to be on your show, Joe. Thanks for having me. And I'm excited to connect with the audience uh, who's listening to this. I'm currently in Tokyo, and this is where I'm from. And we all know this is 2020, so I'm working from home. And um, <laughs> and uh, a little bit of my background and origin story, I guess. Um, I grew up in Tokyo my entire life, and particularly this like specific place called Harajuku. I think a lot of tourists know this place as the pop culture central of the world. <laughs> and I had a normal Japanese upbringing in Tokyo. And later in life, I moved to this place called Kobe, which is also famous for Kobe beef. Um, and when I was 15, I was in Kobe and there was this huge earthquake that hit the city and I moved to Hawaii because of that. And first I was quite reluctant to move to the, the United States. And I basically, with my family, evacuated from the earthquake and went to, the, went to Hawaii. Um, and I didn't speak any English and never had friends who even talked about going to America. But after moving to the States, I slowly fell in love with the country and certain aspects of the people and the culture, I found it fascinating. And I was put in an all-girls school in Hawaii when I first moved. And I remember my first school assignment after moving was to write about uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um, and that sort of changed my entire life. And Japan is pretty traditional when it comes to gender roles and um, narrative around it. So... Her life story shook me to the core, um, and that was when I was 16. And and fast forward, after finishing school, I went to school in California and Japan, kind of went back and forth between high school and um, my first job. But as my first job, I spent two years as an investment banker. 
at Morgan Stanley. And my first job had nothing to do with marketing. Um, but my actual marketing job, first marketing gig was at Google. And yeah, so I enjoyed my life as a swanky investment banker for two years after school. But when my friend from school connected me with Google's APMM program, I was quite excited. Um, something clicked and I just followed my guts and changed my career from finance to marketing. And Google APMM program is a training program for young marketers. And the program trains new grads literally from all over the world to be marketers. It's amazing to have the opportunity to be surrounded by talented peers and, you know, taught by some of the best product people and marketing people at Google. So I enjoyed it um, a lot. I was in a class of 2008, but the program still does exist as of today. Um, it's a fantastic program for any young aspiring marketers. Um, and I spent a decade in Google marketing team and living and working in Tokyo, Southeast Asia, Europe, and Africa, and went on to um, eventually moved to Silicon Valley in 2014. It was a crazy journey living out of a suitcase and learning a lot, working with people from all over the world. So yeah, that was my first marketing gig. And then uh, if you ask me what happened between Google to my current job, um, leaving Google, I left Google after a decade and I worked for and with startups of various stages, founding my own seed pre-IPO. And currently I'm doing marketing at a company called Elsa Speak, which is an AI ed tech company that builds an app to help people practice standard English pronunciation. You can download the app and speak to it and it will tell you what you're doing wrong and how to sound more natural in English. We have close to 11 million users actually around the world across 100 markets. And we have teams in Silicon Valley, Japan, India, Vietnam, Indonesia, Brazil, and Portugal. I only joined Alsa Speak a couple months ago, but I'm very excited with the mission, technology, and the scale of business this company has. That's awesome. No, I just want to quickly rewind. Um, you, you mentioned investment banking was part of your path. Uh, very um, non-traditional, if you will. But uh, growing up, were you always um, interested in marketing, or how did you be? How'd you become, uh, how'd you make that switch from investment banking to uh, marketing? Sure. Well, I didn't really choose. I just stumbled into it. Upon considering leaving my finance job at Morgan Stanley, I had two job offers. One as a business news reporter position at a big international TV broadcasting company. And the other one was at Google. So studying media and journalism at school and graduate school, I always dreamt about being in media, but I eventually didn't pursue it and went with Google marketing because I just liked the people I met at Google interviews um, so much. So I just followed the people that I wanted to surround myself with. And that turned out to be a good decision. And I heard about the free lunch at Google from friends. So <laughs> I, that had some part in it too. Yeah. <laughs> the free lunch is always uh, uh, incentive. <laughs> yeah. The standard um, now in Silicon Valley. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 
you, you mentioned working from home, and even off air, we talked some of, about some of the challenges leading a team uh, remotely. Um, as you mentioned, we have lots of marketers and um, entrepreneurs, or even uh, managers as well. Uh, I'm, I'm curious from your from your perspective, Shihou, um, how has managing a marketing team or just a team in general during these pandemic days? How is that? Uh, what were some of the challenges that you've you've come across, and how have you managed to able to adjust? Sure. I think, you know, this is, um, as of today, it's October 2020, and pandemic has been impacting us since March, February-ish. Some companies are working remotely um, for the past six months or so. And I got onboarded during that time in the middle of the pandemic when people are stressed out about what they see on the news and also working remotely and not interacting with a whole lot of people um, so it's been tough for sure to start a new job in a, in my case, new country and new team members and just be ready to just kick butt every day, um, waking up excited. I definitely find it challenging. But then again, given everything that's happening in the world, I feel really grateful that I have the opportunity to work remotely. So it's 2020 has definitely been challenging, but I don't think we're the people who should be complaining. So um, I try to find silver lining in this situation. But because of the technology that we have, Zoom or you know, we operate on Slack, it's the work itself hasn't slowed down. And also our partners or, or our um, vendors, those people are fully online. So if any industry could manage this well, then I think it's ours. And thankfully, business-wise, our business is all about education and personalized education that lives on your mobile app. So the business has been good, uh, thankfully. So, Yeah. Absolutely. No, I, I, I love that, Chiu. Uh, I think having that optimistic perspective, uh, even during kind of these challenging times, is, um, is a, a big, a big, uh, just a big help um, just navigating through uh, these uncertain times. But um, you, you, we, we talked about work-life balance uh, off air. Have you been able mm-hmm. to manage um, working from home and um, just knowing when to turn the laptop off and um, having some, some of that personal time to yourself? That's a good question because I still haven't found my work-life balance in this. It's really tempting to work all the time because it's so easy. Your work is inside your house. So it's hard to draw the line. But in my case, I have twins who are four-year-olds and they go to school. I'm temporarily back in Tokyo and in Tokyo, everything is open, thankfully. So kids go to school and when they come home, I try to take some time off and speak to them and try to take my mind off of um, work. So that's where I draw the line, but I can imagine it's really difficult for people who are working remotely and living alone, um, doing this self-isolation Thing. I think it's very tough, but 
I'm thankful that I have kids and that I need to take care of and they're so young. So I must step away from work at least for two hours or three. Absolutely. Just having that time to yourself. Um, it's definitely challenging. Like I'm the same way. I think, um, Oh, the laptop's just here. Let me just quickly open it up or my phone's right beside me. Let me check my email and keep working away. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely important to have that, um, time to yourself. Um, but I just want to quickly switch gears here. Uh, I'll speak more marketing, um, give some, some additional value to the listeners, but, uh, from your perspective, how has the industry changed, the marketing industry changed from when you first started uh, to now? Yeah, so when I look at marketing in tech companies, I guess the biggest change is that marketing really matters today for tech companies of all sizes. If I remember in 2007 or eight, among tech companies, there was this notion that good products sell themselves and there is no need for marketing. Also, there was a strong reaction against terms like MBA or branding, um, even in a company like Google. So the only marketing that was truly integrated was product marketing. And now more than ever, holistic marketing really matters. Like tech startups of all sizes from early stage they recognize a need for social marketing and content marketing and storytelling as well as product marketing. So in a way, there is some um, diversity in terms of skill sets and also culture within marketing, which I find um, fascinating. Absolutely. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, skill sets. Uh, I'm curious, what's Shiho's superpower or unique skill that's helped you become so successful at uh, marketing? Well, there are, well, I guess my superpower is storytelling ability and also user insights based in user insights. And more than anything, I'm a curious person. I think curiosity for marketers is crucial and it takes you like a long way in your career. I love that. Just having that curiosity to find out more and, uh, just see, see, see what's out there. Um, what were some of the best resources that's helped you um, along your path uh, to help build that curiosity and satisfy that curiosity? Let's see. Definitely the people, I think coworkers and bosses, people that I met in my career in this journey. Um, I think, you know, Silicon Valley is a special place because people want to jump in and help each other. Um, and it's a community. So I definitely, I would say if I have a problem in a small startup or big company, whatever the, your work situation is, you always know that your people will support you or someone had similar experience and they'll jump in to sort of try to, um, give you tips. So I would say people. People, absolutely. It's who, it's who you surround yourself with. Um, yeah. One thing, one thing you mentioned earlier was that um, earlier in the 2008s, uh, that people just built the best product and they expect people to come. But um, now marketing is more about um, experience, uh, providing value. Uh, but what's, what's maybe 
a big misconception when when launching a new marketing campaign. Hmm. I guess marketing in general, people tend to think no marketing, no marketing people tend to think that it will go viral quickly. <laughs> or marketing will fix all the problems in the product and sales. You actually have to invest a lot of time and thinking and strategy, especially for marketing before things actually take off. Ultimately, you have to build relationships with your audience um, segments, right? So you can buy people's eyeballs by turning on ads, but it takes more time to actually achieve user retention by winning their hearts or loyalty. So it's um, long-term investment. Marketing is definitely different from sales. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you mentioned building that uh, long-term engagement. What's, what's maybe some of your favorite components of a, a successful brand? Component of successful brand. I... I think what makes your brand stand out is to be able to um, think outside of the box, like without knowing your user base really well, that's really hard to achieve. So one example would be specifically, I admire Ben and Jerry's marketing, their relationship with the customers um, and the user insights really drives their product development but they manage to surprise users by thinking outside the box. So they keep on pushing users um, just the right amount. And I read CEO of Ben and Jerry. Um, he said something like too much marketing research can cause mediocrity. And that is a, that kind of goes against a popular notion in marketing, but it shows how deeply they know about their audiences. So I think it's really important to know your user base and have like a solid user insights in order to even surprise your users and think outside the box. Absolutely. I love that you said uh, too much research could be a bad thing. Uh, I always like to say analysis paralysis. Um, sometimes it's just good to just test. Um, there's so many um, platforms out there today to, that's very really trackable. Uh, if you measure all the data, so just um, test campaigns, A-B test, um, and just see where, where, where that takes you. Exactly. Um, one, one question I did want to ask you, Shihu, was um, what, I guess, you mentioned engaging, engaging target audiences. Um, hypothetically, if, if you were given uh, a 50% more budget, let's say, um, what, what, what sort of things would you invest that uh, extra budget into to really get that uh, marketing strategy uh, mm -hmm. ROI back? Yeah. Well, that question really depends on the phase you're at as a company, but I love research and user insights and that's everything, right? So, I mean, like you cannot do anything unless you know who your people are, what they're interested in, what they are. So I would invest in user research. Absolutely. Uh, is there anything that sticks out to you at the moment though, uh, in terms of marketing trends, uh, social platforms that uh, really caught your attention? Yeah, especially in the past year, it's um, you call it trend, but I hope um, it sticks. 
like I wouldn't describe this as a trend and, you know, I hope it stays, but I'm very excited by the whole conversation around diversity and inclusion in advertisement, how that has evolved to mean so much more than just a role to follow in marketing. A lot of brands put DNI in the center of their story and identity because now we all see the world a little bit differently. And that is so powerful. Sometimes looking at your marketing creatives is like putting a mirror in front of you. Other times it is about looking at who you aspire to be tomorrow. So seeing this trend of more inclusive representation of all kinds of people in ads makes me hopeful about the world. And, you know, I was thinking, I think there should be a history or anthropology textbook consisting of just ads. You learn so much about like what was going on in the world or how people were living by looking at ads from the past, right? So, and when you look at this chapter called 2020, how does that look like? In a good way and bad way, it will be a history making year. You know, it's a really unique chapter. Yeah, absolutely. 2020 is definitely going to go down as one for the books. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we have a bunch of marketers listening, um, aspiring marketers. What's what's one thing um, that you wish you would have known when you first began your career that maybe you can share with, with the listeners? Yeah. Um, I wish I knew to follow... I always knew I should follow my passion, but I didn't know that I should follow good people. And just like when I chose Google marketing instead of this media reporting job that I thought was my dream, something told me that, you know, hey, just follow the people that I like and I get to see those people every day in the office. (laughs) And I wouldn't learn anything from other people if I don't like them. So... I still go by that rule, to be honest. If I like what I do, that's great. And that's um, given. Everybody thinks about that and focuses on that. But I think following good people is so important. That's your people, your life, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's your athlete. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, again, surrounding yourself with good people and following um, good leaders is something that's also been super impactful in my career. Um, I'm sure you've had lots of conversation with um, mentors or even um, the people that you looked up to, but maybe what's one question that you never get asked that you wish you would be asked? Mm. I guess, what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> <laughs> And what do you want to do when you grow up with you? <laughs> oh, I knew you would. Thanks for asking. <laughs> I have uh, so many dreams and different aspirations um, because I'm still 40 years old, young. Well, 30, 39, almost 40. But I have always wanted to own a production company. And I think that's what like a lot of marketers want. But I I always have this urge to create things or start conversations and it's really powerful. So that's why I'm a marketer. Um, So yeah, putting all these things together, my dream would be to own a small production house. Um, Yeah. That's awesome. Small production house. That's uh, 
that's that's really cool. Um, in terms of what you're curious and about right now, um, you, you mentioned that you want to create and start conversations. What's what's maybe one that's kind of top of mind for you that you haven't shared yet? My to- top of mind. Can you expand that question? Yeah, absolutely. So, what's something that um, that you're really curious about right now that maybe we haven't touched on in the interview? It could be personally, it could be professionally. Um, yeah, what's something that's that's really got your attention? Hmm. Well, I think we're all curious about how this pandemic is going to end. How is it going to end? And would this, I personally am super curious about, curious or dying to know how the world on the other side will look like. For instance, I'm so used to flying around the world and do business in different countries. And I used to go back and forth between US and America quite often for business or for personal reasons. And I have family members and friends all over the place. And I'm not traveling for a while now. And I wonder how or when the world is going to go back to the same way. It might take, I don't think it's a year. Um, I think it's going to be longer. Um, so, and I think that kind of changes everything, all kinds of industries and uh, economy and culture. Um yeah, so as a third world, what do you call it, third culture kid, and yeah. I have two kids who are very culturally confusing. They're trilingual. They speak Chinese, Japanese, and English, and they have multiple passports. And I wonder how that new world is going to impact us and culturally and economically. Kind yeah. of boring, super general, <laughs> but and I don't have any answer to it. <laughs> no, that's no, that's uh, that's so true though. Everybody's sort of seeing what how everything's going to play out. Um, like you mentioned, twenty twenty has been um, a year for for the history books, but um, seeing what what plays out the next one, two, five, ten years from now is is, is really interesting, and I think that's on a lot of people's minds as well. Yeah. In, in terms of maybe more content stuff, uh, I'm, I'm always curious what people are consuming. I'm just a nerd for consumer behavior, but how's your behaviors changed uh, during pandemic? Are you finding yourself um, streaming more uh, content on Netflix, YouTube, or even ordering more online, um, Amazon, kind of the online retailers? Um, how, how, have, how have you, I guess, behaviors changed during pandemic? Oh, all of the above, right? I feel like a day is longer than ever before because we're in the same place. Um, and I listen to more contents because my mind is super busy and I have a lot of things to do, housework, or I try to cook more. Um, I lied, but you know, like I, I try to do more housework. <laughs> or <what? laughs> um, but I listen to a lot of things because my mind is just so busy. I exercise less. So I feel the need to sort of keep my mind busy, I think. Um, and my consumer content consumption has gone up 
and my physical activity has gone down. And because digital media is so um, attention grabbing, sometimes it gets in my way of thinking. For instance, if I'm listening to like how, how I built this or some very short format podcast, right? It's interesting, attention grabbing. But then again, it doesn't calm my mind down. So I started going back to books recently. I bought a book called Kim Jong Born 82. It's not big in the Western world yet, but Asian people are crazy about this book because it's all about um, women's fight for gender equality. And it's a super relevant topic now. Um, and they recently made that into a movie, but I picked up a book for the first time, like a physical book for the first time during this pandemic in a long time. Um, I used to audiobook, but then again, I realized that listening to things and looking at paper book, it gives you a different um, concentration level or mindset, I guess, um, when you absorb information. So definitely, uh, I gone back to magazines and books a little bit from all digital media during this pandemic. Oh, wow. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I second you in the physical activity side of things. I definitely uh, experienced the quarantine 15. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, all of us. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> No, I appreciate you being on the podcast, Shihu. Um, I only have a couple more questions here for you. Um, mm -hmm. One thing I really wanted to ask you, I mean, obviously you're a global marketing executive. Uh, I'm just curious, what, what are your thoughts on, or what are your favorite social media platforms uh, currently? Oh, you know, it's really boring, but I like Instagram. And I think the reason is it's so simple. And it started simple and it's still it is simple. They haven't, they have like now a lot of features to, you know, probably appeal to businesses. But then again, the core remains super simple. That's, um, I like that about Instagram. And when you look at Facebook, it has evolved. When I first got on Facebook, it was 2004 and it was super complicated. Now it's super complicated. I remember Facebook being just a list of classes that you're taking. And at the time I was in Stanford and I had classes listed there and you can stalk people um, who's in your class. And now it has evolved to be something else. Like it's just so complicated, so many ads and so many features. But then again, Instagram, I hope Instagram stays simple as it is. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's it's always interesting seeing the evolution of uh, various platforms. Uh, one one that's got my attention the last few months because um, it's been so on the news. But TikTok, uh, are, are you um, familiar with TikTok? Are you using TikTok? What are your thoughts on TikTok? Yeah, for sure. It was definitely at the beginning of pandemic. I was on TikTok all the time, scrolling through screens. I think they they're so amazing because they kind of set the standard in UI and how people navigate through contents, you know, uh, swiping up or um, horizontally, vertically. I think they set that um, standard. 
And now people are, that became the norm, which I think is something that TikTok did. And the contents are so dynamic and it's so just next level. Um, so I'm not too active on TikTok because I was a little bit scared of um, giving information away to yet another social SNS. Um, I got on TikTok around like a year and a half ago or almost two years ago, pretty early on. So I have this dead account that has like two videos of my kids from a year or two ago. But then again, I love TikTok and I think it has a lot of potential as um, the next big thing and um, for advertisers as well. So I'm a huge fan. Yeah. I, I won't see any uh, TikTok dances of Shihu on your account. <laughs> well, I would love to if I could dance. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, what, what's, what's maybe something you're proud of that we haven't touched on uh, in the interview before we wrap up? Yeah. Um, I guess I'm really proud of... It's kind of an, you know, a boring thing to say, but my kids, I guess. And the reason is, you know, there are only four, um, but they're so resilient. And I think all kids are by nature and they fall a lot and they pick themselves up and keep on going without questioning. I wish that quality could stay with us for life. Um, I'm always like encouraged by my kids and how they navigate through their lives. So they're definitely my inspiration. Oh, that's, that's sweet. Um, you work with your listeners connect with you online if they have more questions and just want to pick your brain more. Definitely LinkedIn, LinkedIn me. That's the best way. Awesome. And I'll be sure to put your LinkedIn, um, link in the description of the podcast. So listeners go connect with she who, it's been a pleasure speaking with you, Shihu. Um, you've, you provide so much great insight, marketing insight, and just I think your career journey is um, something to learn from. And uh, I really, I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, and I like to end the podcast with asking the guests, since this is a marketing and branding podcast, uh, a word or a phrase to describe their brand. So my last question to you, Shihu, is what's one word or phrase to describe Shihu Watabe's brand? Yeah, well, I think marketers by nature don't spend time thinking about, thinking about ourselves, right? We always think about the product or other people, <laughs> but this one is, um, yeah, but I had to pick, I think I'm different in any room. And in the beginning, I thought that it's a horrible thing. You know, I'm a Japanese person who learned to speak English and eventually ended up in Google, which is an American company. And I worked in Africa and Southeast Asia and in other places. And I was always not the same with everybody in the room. Um, and I had different unique perspectives to bring to the table. And it was very inconvenient in the beginning of my career. Um, but now I learned to embrace it. So yeah, I would say unique perspective. 
This episode of the CMO and Joe podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more business strategies and tactics to help you create the profitable and successful business you've always dreamed of. And don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content. See you on the next episode.